0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Business Line Podcasts. I'm your host, TR Vivek. Yesterday, Kumar Mangalam Birla, the chairman of Aditya Birla Group, resigned as the non-executive chairman of the telecom company Voda Idea. Voda Idea, of course, was formed uh, when uh, the two beleaguered, debt-ridden telecom operators, Birla's Idea and UK's Vodafone, merged. Um, And uh, now he's willing to, uh, Birla is willing to offer or give up his stake in the debt-ridden telecom company. Uh, Birla owns around 27% uh, in Voda Idea and Vodafone about 44%. Uh, Kumar Birla's resignation perhaps marks the end of the group's tumultuous and painful two-decade-long adventure in India's telecom. Things are so bad at Voda Idea that Birla is offering to give up his stake to the government and wants... uh, And there are several analysts who are advocating that the government should buy up uh, uh, uh Voda idea the plight of his uh, partner Vodafone is perhaps even worse. Vodafone has lost nearly uh, 12 to 14 billion dollars in India and uh, you know uh, it perhaps seems a cunning Indian plan to extract partial reparations from the UK for the uh, plunders of uh, the East India Company uh, Voda ideas travails are perhaps emblematic of the mess in the Indian telecom sector itself. Um, India, of course, was once the most coveted telecom market in the world with more than a billion users. What went so horribly wrong for everyone with the exception of one or two in Indian Telecom? To discuss this mess, I'm joined by Thomas K. Thomas, Business Lines uh, Bureau Chief in Mumbai and an ace telecom reporter himself, who's covered the sector for nearly two decades. Hello, Thomas. Welcome to BL Podcast.
1: I am very great to be here once again.
0: Thomas, is this the end of the road for Voda Idea and Birla Group in Indian Telecom?
1: Okay, yeah, so that's a uh, billion dollar question, which everybody's uh, sort of wanting an answer to whether this is the end of the road for the gorillas and end of the road for Vodafone Idea. So let me just put that into perspective from the point of view of where the industry is today, right? So if you look at the industry today, we have three private players, which is uh, Reliance, Jio, Airtel, Vodafone Idea, and of course the private sector, public sector company BSNL. At one point in time, when Vodafone and Idea had merged, clearly the two companies, when they merged, they were the largest in terms of the subscriber base, right? But soon, Jio came in and sort of swept the market away through, uh, you know, smart tariffing. They brought in uh, new services, features, right? Until then, uh, most of the stuff that is what's being offered by the telecom operators, uh, they were going after the low-hanging fruit, which was basically offering very basic uh, voice based telephony, right? So it's only when Jio came into the market, you know, uh, people started talking about 4G and data and uh, things like that. And after 2016, we are seeing that, uh, you know, uh, players like Airtel have also moved up that value chain from just offering simple basic voice services to a whole lot of things, right? So in that context, uh, what had happened is that uh, uh, there was a time period around 2016 2017 when uh, vodafone and idea at that time and airtel were doing reasonably well they had the market with them most of the other operators had uh, you know sort of either died down or shut down operations 2g scam had happened so a lot of licenses were uh, you know had to be scrapped so essentially it was idea vodafone and Bharti who were running the show as far as telecom is concerned uh, right about around 2016 17 uh there was a decision that needed to be taken on 4g whether 4g should be invested into should be buy spectrum should there be a rollout and all that geo came in and i think that both vodafone and idea sort of misread that that market at that point in time and if you look at the uh, auction that happened around that time uh, neither vodafone or idea acquired much of 4g spectrum uh, most of the 4g spectrum was acquired by Jio and Airtel so that is uh, sort of a miss if i may put it that way from, on the part of vodafone idea and you know in technology you blink and you miss right we've had so many brands who've lost out of the technology race because they've missed out on the on certain technology cycles so by the time they realize that you know you know 4g is something which is here and now and you know in those days the executives in vodafone idea Used to talk about 4G as if if something was going to happen in the 2020s, 23, it will come, 24, it was happening right in front of them. So they missed that bus. And by the time the investments came in, uh, you know, by the time you know, Geo had taken away the market, Airtel had invested, they acquired, you know, a lot of Tata, uh, Tata's business. Uh, So they got in 4G like that. So that is a a crucial element into the whole thing. So people, uh, you know, a lot of commentators say it's the government's fault. Like AGR happened. And, you know, policy issues were there. Yes, all of those were right. And as you rightly pointed out in your uh, opening remarks, that telecom is a story of uh, completely, uh, you know, short-term bad policy making. But is Vodafone completely out of this? No, they also have to take some, you know, blame out of this. Now coming to your question on, uh, you know, what is the future for them, right? So here is a situation where both the existing promoters, which is Birla Group and Vodafone PLC, have said they are not going to invest any more equity. Right. So telecom is a highly capital-intensive business. You can't say I am not going to pump in money. Right. When you have Airtel and Geo pumping in billions of dollars, rolling out new networks, acquiring subscribers, and 5G is coming up next year, so you'll need fresh investments coming in. Right. So you are sitting on a debt pile of 1.8 lakh crores. Right. You owe government almost 1.2 lakh crores uh, of which some of these payments are coming up as early as next year uh, you don't have any plan to pump in fresh equity for fresh rollout fresh acquisition of spectrum right so if you look at the totality of that in the current circumstances it looks very difficult the road looks you know very very uh sort of i mean i, mean, I would say the end of the road for them so what but but if the government so the ball is here in now the government's bit because there are, as I said, there are some policy tweaks that the government can do, uh, uh, which we can talk about uh, in detail. Uh, but if those things come in, uh, and if uh, Vodafone Idea is able to improve its cash flows, then what could happen is that some other investor may be interested to run the show. Because you know, if with enough cash flows and the policies are favorable, somebody else might say, "Look, I'm willing to pump in the equity and you know buy the buy the shares off." Birla or Vodafone, or Birla or Vodafone themselves might say, okay, maybe things look better now, I can run the show, right? But it all depends on, from here on, how the government is going to respond to this.
0: Uh, Thomas, uh, uh, you know, before we delve deeper into the present and the future of the business for younger listeners, uh, uh, you know, give us a flashback of the origins of of this entity, which was, you know, which was quite unique in those days, you know, which was formed as an alliance, you know, almost a menage a trua, um, you know, between uh, the two, the two, the two most prominent faces of Indian corporate sector and a global telecom giant in AT&T
1: yeah so uh, even before that you know this whole idea of getting into telecom space was actually taken by kumar mangalam birla's father and i think it was one of his last decisions uh, he he took before he passed away uh, in the in in 1994 95 i think uh, and then uh, kumar mangalam birla took over the reins when he was just 28 years old and at that point in time you know this company was known as sterling communication and uh, you know, uh, they, they formed a company called Burla Communications. They acquired Sterling Communi- Communications from Shiva Sankaran Group. So that's how it started, uh, it, it, way back in '94 when the first licenses were given out. Uh, you know, and there was uh, big, the AT&T uh, deal, and then the Tata came, Tata also had a telecom uh, mobile business uh, at that time. And so they all merged, and they came to be known as Batata in the, in the you know uh, early 1990s. Sorry, late 1990s, early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, around 2001 is when the government decided, I'm they are going to issue out, uh, you know. Uh, so until then, we just had three uh, mobile operators per circle. So licenses are given in circle-wise. Like, so Delhi is one circle, Maharashtra is one circle, Tamil Nadu is one circle. So every circle had three operators. So the government then said, okay, you know, uh, we need to bring more competition. So let's bring in a fourth cellular operator. So they invited bids, and you know there was an auction which was carried out in the 2001 time frame, and that's when really uh, the Birla Group's telecom venture really uh, you know took shape because that's the time when they got a lot of these uh, fourth cellular licenses across the country. So pretty much from being a, like a three-circle, four-circle operator, they become more more, more pan, in, pan India in around 2001 time frame, right? And that's the also the time when uh, idea cellular as a concept, uh, you know, as an idea came came about. Uh, so, because Birla said that we want to run the whole show on, on itself, and ATT was struggling back home in the US, and ATT uh, decided they want to exit some of the non core uh, geographies, right? So, they moved out of India. Uh, Tata's decided they want to go on their own, uh, you know. So, if you remember, there was this whole thing about CDMA technology which came in, mm-hmm. right? So, that was being led by uh, Dhirubhai Ambani in those days and Mukesh Ambani. So Tata said, let's throw our weight uh, behind that technology and, you know, get our own licenses. So then there was a conflict between Birla group and Tata on, you know, how can you have, you know, two conflicting businesses, you are running on your own and you're also invested here. So Tata has existed out of that. So it became just Birla completely controlled by Birla. There was a Malaysian investor, which came in small minority stake and the idea cellular brand was formed. So uh, if you look at that from then on, that business was pretty good, you know, so uh, from 2002, 2003 onwards, despite the challenge, which came from CDMA, they pretty much did fairly well. Uh, They understood the 2G market very well. Voice was, you know, something which they knew how to do it. And along with Airtel, they pretty much uh, took control of the market uh, uh, all the way, uh, till, till this geo thing came in 2016. Uh, Okay. So that's, I think, that's why I said there was a miss of, uh, of how they sort of or misunderstood the market dynamics changing. So up until then, they were doing fairly well, right? So Imanju Kapanya used to run, who's now been brought back as the uh, you know as the man to lead after Viral step stepped down. He was mm-hmm. leading as the CEO of Idea Cellular then, and if you look at the quarterly numbers which they used to put out, uh, they used to come up with pretty decent uh, profit numbers, you know. So it was running very well. Vodafone also was independently. Uh, uh, you know, so again, they also go back to a, went to uh, through various uh, iteration of mergers, acquisition. You know, it was earlier known as SR. Then it became Orange because Hutchison came in, uh, right? Then uh, Vodafone acquired Hutchison, became Vodafone SR. Then SR got out of this, became Vodafone India. You know, and then so the, if you look at the journey of Idea Cellular and Vodafone independently up till 2016, 2017, no issues. They were doing fairly well. Uh, in all the markets that they're working on. And they had pretty much good control of the 2G market. 3G also came around 2010. They were, you know, they were pretty decent with that. So 2016 is where the turning point happened. And that's where the things started going wrong.
0: Thomas is, is telecom a case of the Indian government killing the golden goose? Uh, you know, except one operator, you know, uh, this, this seems to be a graveyard for all manner of players you know from the Tata yeah. to birla's yeah. to to global majors it, it can't be the case that all of them were were incompetent right so you know this this seems to be a case of uh, the government willfully uh, uh, you know destroying a sector that was that was built uh, and which had huge potential over over two and a half decades
1: yeah i totally agree with you uh, <clears throat> so this entire telecom saga, so people ask, you know, is telecom a success story or not? Consumers are getting the lowest tariffs. Look at our data rates and all that. But my argument is if you go to another country like the US or Japan or, you know, or, or Korea, you will see what you're missing out on as a consumer, right? They are they are like five, six, seven, ten 10 years ahead of us in terms of services that we have. So the rot started way back in 94 when they decided to open the market, right? So the government then said, uh, we will do an auction for a license. And, uh, you know, companies like HFCL, which was run by Mahindra Nahata then and even now, uh, quoted this astronomical, uh, astronomical amount, like 10,000 crore for a license, those days. 10,000 crore in those days would be, you know, worth several, uh, you know, lakh crores in today's value. And they went ahead with that. And they re- then the operators went back and said, oh, we can't pay this us out, right? So what does the government do? They say, uh, in 1999, they said that we'll go to a revenue share arrangement. So instead of collecting fee upfront, you start paying me a revenue share. Right. So revenue share happened. Everybody hailed as a great, uh, you know, uh, uh, policy because it brought down the tariffs and so on and so forth and, and all that. So, yes, it did all of that. But in a way, you were legitimizing a wrong which was done in 94 through this formula that you came in with 1999. Okay. So that happened 1999. It happened uh, you know, people accepted it, went on. 2001, again, what happened, uh, you know, by that time uh, Dirubai Ambani was missing out on the telecom action, uh, started thinking of getting into telecom, right? And those days it was, as I said, there were only three operators allowed. So how do you get into this space? So he came up with this whole uh, uh, you know, theme of CDMA technology. Let's bring in a new uh, like an operation or a technology called CDMA technology. And they said that this is going to be a poor man's phone. That was an argument given, because in those days, GSM technology was predominant, and the operators used to charge eight rupees, 16 rupees per minute. And the hand phones used to be extremely expensive. So Gios, uh, not Gios, Reliance came and said that we will break this down, give us this technology, and we will make sure that we will uh, massify this whole thing. So they said, uh, we will not do full fledged mobile, we will do a limited mobility uh, kind of a thing. So government bought into that argument and gave this spectrum to them saying that you do limited mobility, the limited mobility became full mobility. And that became another, you know, mad, uh, fight between the GSM camp and CDMA camp. Uh, yeah, did, did Reliance manage to do what they said? Did it democratize voice calls and broad tariffs? Yes, it did. Did, did you see Rikshawala's rickshaw hanging, going around with those white uh, Reliance phones? Yes.
0: 500 rupees, 501 phones.
1: 501 phones, it did happen. But at what cost, right? I mean, so you you tweak policy in a such a way that you allowed a new player to meet your objective, but was it done in a way which uh, sort of would satisfy all your governance issues, right? Uh, then it went to a huge, uh, you know, legal uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, controversy, and then finally the government again cobbled up a compromise formula where they convinced the GSM operators to withdraw the, all the legal cases and uh, Got Reliance to pay an entry fee to get that license. In those days, you could get a mobile license by paying 1,650 crores. Uh, So Reliance paid that money upfront and converted their entire, uh, you know, legitimized. So another case of legitimizing, uh, you know, a policy which was done without thinking and then they legitimized. Mm -hmm. So you have these instances of policy making come to 2008. So from 2003, the patch up happened peace time so 2003 2008 peace time there was not much not much happening reliance was rolling out their cdma and uh airtel vodafone and idea respectively with gsm 2008 is when the next big thing happens when you know a raja famously announced i'm going to further open on this market right and say i'm going to bring in more competition into the whole thing which is a good idea but the way he did it which you all know how he did it i mean Suddenly, on one day, he decided that today is the last date for paying bank guarantees and all that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was there in DOT, and I could see people queuing up. Uh, you know, and then he said, "This is going to be first come, first serve. So whoever applies the first gets the license." So mm-hmm. to be the first, there was a queue, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and by the way, he had already informed certain people, uh, operators, that this is going to be the day when I'm going to announce it, right? So all the people who were already in the know. Were already inside the department of telecom with the uh, bank guarantees required to get a license whereas everybody everybody else was standing so that was the scam i mean much has been written about it so i don't want to get into that 2g scam happened but i'm just saying that that was another flawed policy that happened because of that what happened you brought in a lot of players competition happened yes good a lot of investments came in telinor came in russia's mts came in but two years later the supreme court you know decided there was a scam and you know, they scrapped, they scrapped the old, all the licenses, right? So all those billions of investments that you brought in, infrastructure that you created, employment that had happened, everything gone in one shot, right? Mm. And who's to be blame? Who's to be blamed for all of this, right? It is the government's bad policy making.
0: Right. So repeat you see this. Yeah. Thomas, to cut to the present, uh, there have been some uh, suggestions by by analysts, you know, which I think are preposterous that the government should buy out Voda Idea and and run it. You know, given the government's track record, shambolic record of you know running BSNL to the ground, uh, you know, do you think it makes any sense for government to bail out Voda Idea at this stage and and uh, just fritter away the taxpayers' money?
1: Yeah, so should the government bail out Vodafone Idea? My answer is yes. Should the government bail out by taking ownership of Vodafone Idea? My answer is no. But, you know, but there are other ways to do it. I mean, in terms of policy and all that. And I'll tell you why it is a bad idea to take ownership. And as you rightly pointed out, there are two reasons. One is uh, government itself is uh, trying to exit uh, a lot of these business. I mean, the disinvestment is happening. Air India is trying to get out. BPCL is happening. So government itself has decided they want to get out of these core you know, infrastructure businesses. So when they have decided that, then how can they take on another project? That's one. Number two, they already have two PSUs, telecom PSUs in their PT, and they're struggling. right? And we know the case, why it is struggling, mismanagement, management, political interference. They've not been allowed to you know, expand and buy equipment. So all of that is known. right? So with all of that knowledge, how do you make that decision that I'm going to take this over and make it into another you know, nationalized company doesn't make sense at all for me. Uh, you know, and just for the heck of, you know, creating a thing that okay, another operator is also in the market, uh, mm-hmm. just to say that I don't think this is a, a good way of doing it, right? But mm-hmm. there, there are other ways. I mean, uh, there are other ways of policy making which can help Vodafone idea uh, to serve. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say survive because survival is something which is immediate, right? So, what can you do to make the operator th- thrive? so instead of survival can you think of thrive revival thrive viable right? so so look let's look at those kind of policies right uh, not what, immediate what, what
0: would those be what would those be just thinking about should the government then 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 wave off the uh, the agr dues that the companies owe them which run into no, billions of dollars
1: no i don't think you should wave it off because see there are these this is, this is this has revenue implications for government also, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if if they are supposed to get uh, whatever money is from license fee, revenue share, or spectrum fee, see, typically government gets about forty to fifty thousand crores a year from telecom services, right? So there are ways. I mean, can you then say that you know find a formula where I say that as a government, this is what I need from the from the industry. I need forty thousand crores from the industry, right, uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, so how do I get that? So, so right now, what how they do it is that they have something called as license fee, which is around eight percent of the revenues that you make every year. On top of if that, that you have something called a spectrum usage charges, which is about four to six percent. Uh, you know, and then uh, uh, you know, so these are two ways they have. So, and then you have all the income tax and you know all of the taxes. So typically, the a telecom operator pays about thirty percent of its revenues to the government. So can you rationalize this in a way that your income doesn't get impacted, but at the same time, you don't penalize an operator who's making good revenue. So right now, if I'm making excellent revenues, I have to pay a fraction of that to the government, 8% fixed, right? If I'm making 100 rupees, I have to pay 8 rupees. If I'm making, uh, you know, 1,000 rupees, I have to pay 80 bucks. So why like that? You know, so I am saying, let the government say that this is what I need. 40,000 crores is what I need. And... To get that money, what is the uh, license fee that I would uh, need to charge you this year? So every year, let it be flexible. You know, so that's one. Uh, number two is uh, this this whole idea of AGR. So they have to pay this fifty thousand crore or whatever. Uh, second, so give give them. A, so you already give them a one year moratorium, which is uh, which ends in like April uh, March thirty first mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. So can you give another one year extended by another one year moratorium? You give 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 them. The third thing that they can do is, see this whole idea of AGR. Uh, let me just spend two minutes in explaining this. Sure. It's, and this is important. It is because the, the definition of AGR, according to the operators, is that I will pay you revenue share from the revenue that I earn from telecom services. So I am, because I am using Spectrum, which is a natural resource which you are giving me. So mm-hmm. whatever revenue I'm getting from telecom, I give you a revenue share. Fair enough. What the government is saying is, that is not enough. I want revenue share from all your revenues, which means if ex-operator is keeping a a, a sort of a kiki in a bank and that he is earning an interest on that, the government is saying, I want revenue share on that also. Mm. To to me, that is a little unfair, you know, because if an operator is making money from some other ways, why should the government be interested in that part of the revenue? Mm. Right? Mm. You were given the operator to perform telecom licenses. You've given them uh, uh, spectrum to do telecom services. So you take revenue from that. So I think the government should clarify that once and for all, uh, you know cannot do it retrospectively i don't know if we can do with then we are dealing with the
0: supreme court judgment here you know so it is is, yeah so that yeah so that So you.
1: yeah so that is i'm saying we cannot do it retrospectively because the supreme court judgment is there but it is a policy decision which the government can take for the future right you can say that from here on this is what the uh, policy is right because the Mm -hmm. supreme court has ruled on a decision with the dot is taken in 2003 and said that what do decided in 2003 is correct that that whatever policy that they had decided is correct mm-hmm. the government can now say i'm changing my policy there there, there should not be an issue with the, if, if you i mean as a legislator or as an executive the power of policy making lies with the executive right the court cannot intervene mm-hmm. so that's another uh, you know thing that they can do
0: So almost the proponents of uh, of of a government takeover of Vodafone Idea, uh, they say that uh, you know it is in the interest of not allowing a duopoly in the market. Uh, how valid are such concerns uh, is duopoly indeed so bad and given the agr uh, judgment you know w- which has implications on uh, airtel's balance sheet as well so uh, you know um, and, and uh, given that are we then looking at a monopoly you know uh, given the pressures it will create uh, for airtel and its ability to have a significant wattage to invest in say 5g technology in the future so what are the implications for the telecom sector in general and for us as consumers uh, you know are are, are we looking at at, at at a monopoly
1: yeah so firstly your first question is duopoly such a bad thing right so if you look at other sectors uh, where you have ports airports for example in airports like now adani is pretty much controlling uh, you know a significant part of that infrastructure you look at other brands also in the market you have clear uh, you know, uh, market players and brands which are dominant players, and then there are these fringe players. So, is duopoly such a bad thing or not? Uh, so, in the telecom space, the worry is that if if you don't have more than two operators, they could jack up the tariffs. That is the bottom line of this fear: that if you don't have more, to, the competition levels will, uh, you know, decrease, and therefore the operators will be free to fix up a higher tariff. No, but the thing is that is already happening. If you looked at look at what uh, Airtel has done last week, and so if you look at the tariff announcements over the last year or so, right, tariff increases is already happening. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so there is some merit to that question whether DOP is such a bad thing or not, and right? why not just have two players and let them two strong players and let them run the show, and why even save. Uh, idea. i mean that's a valid question uh, 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 you know which which, which needs uh, some detailed analysis of whether because in see in, in the telecom space we've never had a situation where there are more, less than three or four operators we already always had three four you know in mid 2000s it was 10 operators 12 operators it's only now we have come to a situation where you have very uh, you know one very strong player one you know reasonably strong and then two weak players right so we need to see how this plays out but personally, I feel, uh, you know, I think it. The market is so huge. We are talking about a billion population. We are, uh, you know, at 600 million internet connections. There's 400 million more to go. There is rural connectivity to be done. I think, in the in that context, it makes sense to have a third player in the in the in the ecosystem, right? Uh, because the market is so huge. If you were a smaller country, maybe two was enough. Look at China, right? But China is all government control. China is all government controlled, They don't have any private players, and these two uh, companies have, uh, you know, sort of uh, taken up the entire market. So, can you do something like this here? I don't. I don't think so. Personally, I, I am in favor of having competition alive in this market. About your question about uh, Airtel, uh, so I think Airtel is a slightly better position compared to Vodafone Idea, and they play, played it smart. And this, I think, the credit goes here for. Sunil Mittal, who's essentially a telecom right? I mean, he doesn't do anything, doesn't uh, has not dabbled in any other business. He has dabbled in retail, know, but he was he didn't do well. So he stuck he stuck to telecom. See, he, he understands this business inside out, right? So so the value proposition is for the Airtel is that uh, you know currently they are pretty much even Stevens if you look at the numbers with Geo, both in terms of market share of revenue, market share of subscribers, right? Uh, they, they are coming back into profitable profit numbers are coming back their payout to government is not as high as uh, vodafone maybe i think of uh, 40 or 50 percent of vodafone idea yeah uh, and they have understood the game they've invested into 4g you know they're getting into services they've partnered with a lot of players like netflix and so on and so forth so they are playing it pretty smart uh, and as i said the market is too huge they know that and uh you know, and, and the good thing is because they're an early entrant into the market, the higher end of the market is with them, right? So mm. if you look at the high higher end ARPU post paid subscribers is with Airtel and some with Vodafone Idea. jio is getting into that, the predominantly prepaid kind of uh, customers, right? So Airtel knows that they've got the premium customers in Bombay, Delhi, Metro circles and all that. So I think they are pretty much, you know, in a, in a nice sweet spot of, you know, if you look at that, and the kind of potential, which I talked about, 1 billion population data deluge is happening. Consumption is going skyrocketing, right? So if they are able to weather this out for the next six months to 12 months, which I think they will be able to do it, then it's pretty much, you know, great uh, market to be in as far as telecom is concerned. So it's a matter of survival for a lot, lot of players. If you survive this out, and you know, once you are ready with 5G next year, and if you're there at that point in time, then the, mar- then the market is open for you, right? So it's it's from here to then, who's going to survive, who's not going to survive is the question. In that context, Vodafone idea is struggling because as I said, 1.8 crore debt payouts going to happen. No equity coming in. Uh, strategy, they've fallen behind. So when you look at all of that thing, Vodafone idea looks pretty much in trouble.
0: Thomas, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, until we meet next time, goodbye and God bless.
1: Thank you, Vivek. Great chatting with you.